Well, good morning. A couple of things I want to remind you about or maybe introduce to you in case you didn't know. First off, there's a little table when you first walk in the north side of the foyer. Uh, it says, My Sermon Notes. And uh, we have uh, created these with the help of uh, Jamie Havens. She uh, was visiting some other place and saw this and said, Hey, this is a really good idea. So we want to encourage our little ones or maybe some older ones if you want to as well to pick one of these up. Uh, there's several different questions that you can fill out. Uh, what are we reading? The book, chapter, and verse. My favorite song today was What I Learned About God in Today's Passage. How can I apply this to my life? Uh, what's the most important thing I learned? And even there's a spot that says words that I didn't understand. So you can uh, fill one of these out and hopefully it'll be something that'll help you as uh, you um, struggle to pay attention like the old people do in here as well. So I'm um, not suggesting that anybody here is old, or, but uh, I just want to let you know. You're welcome. Uh, also, one more thing. You've, you've probably, all, probably already seen the letter. We introduced it or talked about it last week. But uh, the world is going to be celebrating Super Bowl Sunday. We don't need the bowl, though. So we're going to have a Super Sunday ourselves coming up on February 4th. Uh, and here's a little flyer that we're passing out. It looks a little bit like a Super Bowl ticket. I don't think it'll get you anywhere in Minnesota, but it'll set, certainly let you in the doors here. Uh, and so we want to encourage you to take these. They're uh, back there uh, on the Welcome Center. Uh, and what we really want to do is just encourage people uh, to come and uh, be a part of Taylor Street. Uh, for those who maybe are here but haven't got quite connected or people who were connected and, and aren't any longer, to introduce or remind them of some really great ministries that we have going on uh, and how you can get involved. And so I want to encourage you to pick one of these up and there's some information on the back that will let you know what's going on February 4th. Uh, it'll be right after worship time. Over and over and over again, as we have been studying through the Bible and looking book after book after book, we've, we've read some kind of difficult passages. So thankfully, Joel is a little different. It's an easy read, right? So let's pick up in Joel chapter 1, verse 1, and just, it's good, smooth, easy reading. In fact, like always, this might want to put you to sleep, but not just because of my words, but listen to the content. It's just... So peaceful. The word of the Lord came to Joel, son of Petula. Petula, excuse me. Hear this, you elders. Listen, all you who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days or in the days of your forefathers? Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. What the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten. And what the great locusts have eaten, the young locusts will have eaten. And what the young locusts have left, the other locusts have eaten. Wake up, you drunkards! Well, all you drinkers of wine, well because of the new wine, for it has been snatched from your lips. A nation has invaded my land, powerful and without number. It has teeth of a lion and the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vines and ruined my fig trees. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it away, leaving their branches white. Mourn like a virgin in sackcloth, grieving for the husband of her youth, 
Grain offerings and drink offerings are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests are in mourning. Those who minister before the Lord. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Well, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. The vine is dried up and the fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm, and the apple tree And the trees of the fields are dried up. Surely the joy of mankind is withered away. Well, now we know why most of us don't know a lot about the book of Joel. Because it just doesn't make a good Sunday morning class story, does it? Joel is going to open up, and what it's going to be talking about, and there's some argument, and we'll save this for Bible class, because I know you're all going to want to attend, because there's some interesting things about Joel that that may help you in your daily walk. Uh, Or you just might find it interesting. But Joel begins with this idea of these locusts which have uh, infested the land. And some scholars will say, well, there really was no locust. He's just using this as an example of what's going to take place. And they have arguments as to why or not the locusts are figurative or literal. And again, we'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes when you all... Join us in the quads right after this. Quads are back that way. We call it the quads because it's a big room that we put into four different quadrants. But it's going to be so full that, that we won't have to split them up into groups. Because we'll be in class after this. Talking about Joel. Oh, Joel. Yes, that's right. Joel is about... The infestation of locusts, whether figurative or or literal, and it's a warning to the people. Okay, so let's talk about this for just a second. Where do locusts come from? Can somebody tell me? Where do locusts come from? Egypt? Nature? God? Okay, wait, wait. So let's, okay. Uh, So this is the idea of deductive reasoning, right? Okay, deductive reasoning uh, allows us to make two statements and then from that we can draw something from that, okay? Um, uh, Locusts are bad, right? Is there any farmer who will stand up and say, I love locusts, they're great? Okay, locusts are bad. True statement, is that right? Can we all kind of agree on that in, in principle? Okay, I don't know. John the Baptist may say, no, they're pretty good. With a little honey, at least. Come on, that's the best preacher's joke that I got. <laughs> locusts are bad. Okay, God made, lo- God made locusts. Therefore, God is bad? Well, let's talk about this for a second, because here we have Joel is lamenting like our, our, our whole land is, is wasted away. And he said, because of the locust. Now, we may not say, oh, well, you know, the locust, the, you know, it's a natural phenomenon, and they, they come in different ways, and we can talk about how they get there and what happens. But here's what they saw. Locust came from God. And God has destroyed the land. And Joel stands up and says, 
in the same way that the locusts have come and destroyed the land is the same way in which armies will come from the north and the south and they are going to destroy your land. Why would God send locusts, an army of locusts, or an army of people to invade His own people? Why would he do this? One thing that as we look at the book of Joel is that it is most definitely a book of extremes. And we're going to see that. But to help us understand really what that's about, I'm going to need a few volunteers. Kip, you have your hand raised. Will you come help me? And I need somebody else that's really strong. Can you help me find somebody who's really strong, maybe wearing blue and sitting back there? Do you see him right there? Yeah, Raul. Raul, why don't you come up here? It's, it's a part of our manlyhood. We, we, we need to just figure out who is the strongest. And so today, we are going to have a feat of strength. And I'm going to ask each of you to hold a few items, identical items, okay? And I want to see who can hold them the longest. Who do you think is going to win? You think you're stronger than Raul? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cole's already talking trash back there, aren't you? Is this a little roommate rivalry going on right here? Yeah. Yep, it is. Okay, so who do you think stronger? Okay, we'll see. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. It's very simple. Here's what we're going to do. I've got a bottle of water. I need you to hold that. Okay. Okay, now you've got to hold it as long as you possibly can. And you've got to hold a stick. Okay. So you can't let the stick touch the ground. You don't have to. But if you want to hold it like that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out here. Why don't we, we're going to put it on your shoe. Your boot, those are some good-looking boots. Hold it. Don't let it drop the ground. Oh, if you want to come over here, you, you hold uh, the stick. Okay, you want to hold the stick? But you're a baseball player, so you probably should hold that more like a bat. Oh, and by the way, uh, yeah, just use your one hand on that stick because you're only going to have one hand for your stick as well. And I've got a bottle of water for you too, and you can't let it hit the ground. But if you'll just kind of hold it a little out, okay, one hand. Okay, now just hold it out like this. Okay. Okay, so here we go. Who do you think can hold it the longest? Kip, you think so? Is that, that's really not that heavy. Okay, let, this is, um, this is uh, half a liter, which is 16.9 ounces. Uh, it's just barely over a pound. It so happens that ounces uh, of water are both the weight and the uh, volume. So right here, is that, is that that hard to hold? Not too bad. You're smiling right now because you know what's coming. <laughs> How are you doing? You're doing pretty good. Okay, uh, so there's a, uh, a gentleman, a sociologist by the name of Dr. Murray who introduced this idea called family systems theory. And it's something that we actually talk a lot about, Lance and I do, in the office. Uh, and the principle is, is pretty simple. Uh, one thing that Dr. Bowen says is that you can't understand someone, an individual, apart from their family. Okay, that, that there's this uh, interconnectedness 
between these individuals that, that allow them to, to be who they are. And so you can't see me who I am without also recognizing uh, where I come from in the family that I am a part of. Uh, he will also go on to say that, that in order to maintain balance, okay, uh, we have to uh, realize that as, as one side goes one direction, the other individual or individuals will go the opposite direction to maintain this type of balance. And I've written down a few examples, uh, and we'll use these maybe as a spouse. If you have one spouse who will spend more money, are you doing okay, Kip? How about you? Okay. The, if you have a spouse who spends more money, family systems theories uh, systems theory says that the other individual will spend less money in order to maintain a proper balance for that system or, or for that family. If you have a parent that is more harsh, it is more common for the other parent to be more lenient or more merciful. You may have seen that. Uh, even as, uh, as a parent and having a spouse, you see your spouse, uh, it's their turn to be the heavy. Their turn to be the bad cop. And then you come in and you be the good cop. I'm not going to tell you within Jennifer and I which one's the bad cop or the good cop. Um, if you have one who's loud, you'll have one who's probably more quiet. If you have one who's pessimistic, you'll have one who'll be more optimistic. It's why I married Jennifer. That's why God gave me her. Because she's really pretty. And we had to balance it out. <laughs> the more that we stray from the middle, the more the other person or other persons have to help come up with that balance. Okay? And so we talk about the relationship. Is your arm burning? <laughs> yeah. We talk about how the world was created and what God intended for us. This is how He intended us. We are the bottle. He is the holder. He says, I've created a garden. We'll walk together. We'll talk together. We'll be with one another. We'll be close. But because of sin, we started getting further and further away from God. And you know what it does to the relationship? We begin to strain. And that distance causes coldness and the distance oftentimes why, why are you sweating it's not that hot in here do you want to switch arms should we let him switch arms oh wow this is a loving congregation starting to hurt now a little bit isn't it okay so the story of joel is this the further God's people got... <laughs> okay, you know what? I'll let you cheat. You can put your hand right here. In fact, you know what? I, I practiced this. So if you'll jam that in your armpit, that really good. <laughs> then, then it makes it a little bit easier for a few minutes. But the further that Israel went away from their God, the more difficult it was to maintain the relationship. And you say, but the locust, that's really, really harsh. I can't believe that we have a God who would say, my people aren't doing what I tell them to, so I'm going to send locusts or ultimately Assyrians and Babylonians to come and destroy the land. We have a God who does not 
deal in moderation. He doesn't. And you say, well, that's crazy that we would have a God that would send these animals to destroy the crops and the fields and leave people hungry. We have a God who says that the further you get away from me, the more that it hurts me. He longs to be in relationship. What would you do to save your child? What lengths would you go to to help them that might save them later on? I I forgot a phrase that just popped in my mind. Uh, Yesterday, when we were sitting down eating, we were at the, the dinner table and Uh, My mom was there with us, and I remember a phrase that she uttered quite often when I was a child. She said, go to bed without dinner. Do you remember that? I don't know that enough of our kids experience that, but I can remember when I got in trouble, you went to bed without dinner. Did my mom and dad really want to starve me? Or were they trying to teach me a valuable lesson that might save me later on in life? You see, one thing we... Now you're just showing off. (laughs) Here's the amazing thing. Are you doing okay over there? Here's the amazing thing about our God. And we're going to look at this in Joel chapter 2. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your hearts with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity and leave behind a blessing, grain offerings and drink offerings. For he is the Lord. Okay, I'm going to take this over. You, everybody except you, because your hands are full, let's give Kip a hand. Because clearly, I think he's won. Okay, Mr. Kip, Mr. Kip, you can have a seat. Oh, I'm not done with you yet. Because we have a God who shows a great deal of judgment. But I want you to know this. Not only does he send judgment upon his people... He also sends compassion. For a God who says, I will send locusts to destroy your fields, He also says, but I will send my Son to save my people. The story of Joel is not just about locusts eating fields and and armies coming from the north and the south. It's about a God who says, I love you enough to punish you and I love you enough that I will come for you. And what did it look like? It looked like a son with his arms stretched out holding our sins. I feel bad for Raul. He's holding two pounds of water and a couple of sticks. Jesus carried the wood that he was ultimately nailed to. And it wasn't a few ounces of water. It was the sin of the world that he carried and he did it because God is not a God of moderation. God is a God of extremes. And he said, I will go to lengths, great lengths, 
all the way around the world to save my people. Look no further than the cross. I want to save you from any more misery. But I want you to know that we have a God who stopped at nothing to offer you salvation. You're going to be a little sore tomorrow, aren't you? (laughs) Better you than me. Uh, Let's give Raul a hand. Thank you for that. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children. The nursing at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priest who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? For them, they were trying to figure out where their God was. And the reason why is they had drawn so far from Him. But as James reminds us, that if we draw near to God, He will draw near to each one of us. It's the story of Joel. The story of extremes. The story of a God who loves us recklessly. We have a God who loves us this much. And isn't that why we're here? To give thanks to a God who would love us this much. To give honor to Him. To show our love to Him. This morning I want to encourage you that we have a God who stops at nothing to come to us. And who would endure such pain for each one of us. Let us tell it to our children. And let our children tell it to their children and their children after them. The story of a God who loves and forgives. This morning we want to invite you to be a part of that story. To tell it to other people. To let them know about a God who allows locusts. But a God who also would send His Son to save us all. If we can help you this morning. If we can pray for you. If you say, you know what, I, I want to be united with a God of, of that love. Then I want to encourage you as we sing this song of invitation. And as we stand, please come forward.